0: Hello, and welcome to episode 54 of Tech Swamp. We have our host and friendly membership team here today. Hey, Brad.
1: Why, hello there.
0: Hello, and Caitlin. Hello, what's up?
2: You know, just membership chilling.
0: Of course, I hope so. Uh, And of course, uh, myself, Alex. Um, All right, so this month we're going to hit you with a legislative privacy update, uh, just as Congress is within striking distance on passing a federal privacy law. Um, We're talking through what our members are hoping for when it comes to a bill and how the four P's of privacy help address the needs of small business innovators in a federal bill. Uh, But before we get into that, we're going to hit tech history and run through some DC headlines. September 10th, 1990, 32 years ago this month, the first internet search engine launched. Archie was the first search engine and was used to index FTP archives and uh, to make finding files easier. However, the first search engine for the World Wide Web did arrive, didn't arrive until 1993, uh, and surprise, it wasn't Google. Uh, Yahoo, Ask Jeeves, and AltaVista were some of the 90s' most popular search engines before Google became the most popular in the year 2000. And the rest is tech, tech history. That sound means it's time for What's Brewing in D.C. Brad and Caitlin, what are the top tech headlines?
1: Passage of antitrust bills in the Senate is looking more and more unlikely as many members of Congress face the midterm election. Senator Josh Howley, co-sponsor of the legislation, says that while he hopes to see Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer bring the legislation to the floor, he doubts that will happen. With the House planning to break for more time in their district on September 30th and not returning until after the election, there are only a few legislative hours to pass the bill.
2: Draft legislation in the House would place a two-year ban on new algorithmic stablecoins, criminalizing the creation of new stablecoins. There is a two-year grace period for existing algorithmic stablecoin providers to change their models and offerings. The bill also mandates the U.S. Treasury to take on a study on stablecoins and consult with the Federal Reserve, Securities and Exchange Commission, and the Office of the Comptroller of Currency. For more information, head
1: to our show notes. The Federal Trade Commission adopted a policy statement related to gig workers, benefits, and misrepresentation on algorithms. The FTC plans to step in when there are misrepresentations about pay, benefits, work terms, and more in addition to anti-competitive behavior like wage-fixing and monopoly-creating mergers. Earlier this year, Congress introduced a bill related to benefits and gig workers. The Labor Department also revoked a rule that made it harder to protect works workers' labor rights. We'll keep you posted on gig worker issues in future episodes of Techswamp.
2: And we're rounding out what's brewing with an update on TikTok's newest policies around combating misinformation and the midterm election. The platform is going to begin testing out a verification system for accounts connected to governments, politicians, and political parties. Right now, verification badges are optional, but the new system will be mandatory. TikTok also plans to prohibit campaign fundraising, although political advertising is already banned on the platform. TikTok's new feature comes after a recent report that found nearly one in five videos that TikTok pushes to the users for you page contains misinformation. For more information, you can head to our show notes. And that's all for What's Brewing.
0: All right. As I mentioned earlier, we're hitting you with timely legislative with a timely legislative privacy update. Um, Justice Congress is within striking distance on um, their big federal privacy law. Um, but before we get into the bill de- details, Caitlin, could you remind us kind of like what the environment on the Hill looks like
2: right now? of course um so just a quick reminder you guys uh, might be familiar it is an election year um so that does mean it's a shorter legislative calendar um and that impacts things so we're looking at about Less than 20 uh, legislative days where both the House and Senate are going to be in session. So they they really have about 19 days um, as of like today uh, to pass um, or to move on passing a federal privacy law. Um, And Congress is feeling some pressure to move on this. Um, You've heard us talk about this on the podcast before, um, but there were 200 um, privacy bills introduced in state houses this year. You know, five states already have a uh, a privacy law in place. So Congress is feeling some pressure, um, you know, as states start to legislate and create that, um, you know, privacy patchwork that we talk about often. Um, so some pressure is building, um, but, you know, it's it's an election year. So Congress does have other priorities and other things that need to get passed. Um, you know, we're hopeful this is the year of privacy, but we, we are not totally sure what's going to happen uh, with these final, you know, 19 days. Uh,
1: Absolutely right. And as things stand right now, Congress is definitely up against the clock when it comes to said privacy legislation. (laughs) Let's pretend that movement does happen and we see the House and Senate get to a good place with the bill. Our members have some thoughts about what that should look like.
0: Oh, yeah, they do. <laughs> um, and um, uh, as you know, over the August recess, our members came together to outline their top priorities for the remainder of the 117th Congress um, and what they were really hoping to see um, sort of in the 118th Congress. Um, and privacy was always top of mind during all of those discussions and then sort of in our priorities um in our priorities letter. Um, and so as Caitlin mentioned, um, you know, could this year be the year of privacy? I think in some ways it has been the year of privacy. We've seen more bills really than we've ever seen before, both in the House um, and sort of at the state level. Um, there's been more than like 200 consumer privacy bills in circulation in state houses across the country. Um, and you know, the, this like privacy patchwork is really slowly spanning from coast to coast. Um, and, you know, I think it really does put our small business members at a huge disadvantage when it comes to cost and compliance. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the time and the resources required to comply with 50 individual state privacy bills um, could, you know, that really could run most, if not all of our members really into the ground. Um, and so we really want Congress to be building on this progress from earlier this year Um, as the House uh, Energy and Commerce Committee overwhelmingly approved the bipartisan American Data Privacy and Protection Act. Um, We'll probably refer to it as ADPPA, um, which is uh, HR uh, 8152, if you want to go look it up. Um, So this is the big privacy bill that we keep talking about. Um, And the bill would impose robust privacy and security requirements um, and would adopt a single set of rules across all states. Um, Of course, there are always some exceptions. Um, But it would provide strong protections for consumers while minimizing compliance burdens, uh, especially for small companies like our members. Um, And so our members really urged Congress to move this legislation forward and ensure that any measure passed by both chambers would set a high bar on privacy, while sort of substantially preempting um, that patchwork of state laws that we keep referring to. Um, but I think at the same time, I remember we're also urging Congress um, to sort of consider children's privacy, um, including protections for teens. So basically raising the age um, where like children's privacy um, comes into effect. Right now it's 13. Um, anyway, raising that to some degree. Um, uh, should be a consideration as they consider to look at the ADPPA um, because right now it doesn't amend or alter um, the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act or COPPA, but it would require opt-in consent for the collection and transfer of covered data pertaining to adolescents age 13 to 17. So it covers that sort of, um, I think, middle ground. Um, And in addition to these protections for teens, our members urge Congress to also consider updating COPPA to modernize consent mechanisms and online protections for the 21st century. Right now, getting verifiable verifiable parental consent is really challenging. Um, and so, uh, you know, one of the things that I think our members really want is something that sort of takes technology a little bit more into consideration when it comes to getting consent. Um, so, yeah, there, there's a lot there. Um, but, you know, I think we're excited to, to see... Um, to see a lot. And, and at the end of the day, what our members really urged Congress to do was to move 80 PPA um, forward and ensure that, you know, any measure that's passed by both chambers sets a really high bar on privacy while substantially, you know, preempting state laws. That's really important.
2: Absolutely. And as Alex mentioned, um, our members sent a letter to Congress uh, with not just our privacy concerns, but a bunch of um, other concerns that our our members have when it comes to other things. And you can head to our show notes um, and check that out. Um, So Alex, when you consider, you know, those member concerns that we were just chatting about, you know, what our members are asking for, how do the four P's of privacy, um, you know, help address the needs of, the small business innovators in a federal bill, and most importantly, you know, how does the bill um, that has made the most progress and has seen the most changes along the way, which is uh, the ADPPA, uh, the bill that we've been chatting about, handle those four P's of privacy? Um, you know, how how does that bill kind of accommodate um, our four P's?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love this whole concept of the four P's of privacy because I think it really kind of capsulates like the big things that we want to see, right? There's obviously little minute details, but I think that these are sort of the four key things that really matter. Um, And so when we think of the four P's of privacy, we're thinking about preemption, we're thinking about private right of action, we're thinking about a path to compliance, and we're thinking about um, protection against unauthorized access. Um, What does that all really mean? (laughs) Um, So starting with preemption, (laughs) we've talked about this a little bit, right? This is the idea that um, this bill would essentially preempt state bills, meaning that you would have to understand and comply with ADPPA, and, and that would be sort of the main statute of privacy in the U.S. Um, And I think ADPPA's overarching preemption language is is reasonably strong, Um, you know, but it could be improved. Um, And as drafted, the provision says that no state or political subdivision of a state may adopt, maintain, enforce, prescribe, or continue in effect any law provision having the force and effect of law covered by the provisions of ADPPA or regulations promulgated under it. Um, And so that construct should mostly capture the general applicability privacy laws that would create the most significant confusion, conflict, and compliance burden Uh, we have urged Congress to avoid um, at the state level, um, and as states are enacting these all slightly differing privacy requirements. Um, You know, that said, there are so many exceptions to the main preemption provision that courts may ultimately end up upholding state laws that differ substantially from ADPPA's requirements. Um, And each exception to the preemption language adds, like, further uncertainty as to what Congress's intent with respect to establishing a single set of rules um, really is, rather than simply, like, placing a federal layer on top of a divergent state patchwork. So, you know, there's still a little bit, bit of, of a concern as to, like, how the bill is really addressing preemption right now. There are some carve-outs that we're not thrilled about. Um, the language is strong, but it's also... There's definitely room to negotiate, um, and I think that in terms of our membership, that preemption piece, that first P of privacy or of the four P's is is really critically important. Um, again, because of not only the compliance cost, but you know, 50 state laws that all are like differ, but like in very small ways, is just um, you know, it's just an unrealistic expectation uh, for I think most companies who aren't sort of very large <laughs> um, to comply with. Um, so big one for us. Um, I think the second one would be protection against unauthorized access. Um, so most of ADPPA would regulate the privacy practices of covered companies, uh, which does include how they obtain consumers consent to collect and process personal information and the kinds of processing activities they can engage in under sort of the, the color, the banner of consumer authorization. Um, You know, fortunately, the ADPPA also requires covered companies to take certain steps to detect, prevent, and remediate unauthorized access to personal information. Um, And so we really support the inclusion of data security requirements that would preempt most state laws that would otherwise impose conflicting or substantially different data security obligations. Obviously, data security is really important. And so strong federal data security provisions really do raise the average readiness of American companies to defend against cyber threats of all kinds from state-sponsored ransomware campaigns to social engineering and phishing attacks. And so we think that this sort of data security element in a privacy bill is really important. Um, You know, I think the the third P is the path to compliance. Um, ADPPA provides a compliance program for small businesses adhering to Federal Trade Commission approved compliance guidelines that, quote, meet or exceed um, ADPPA's requirements with a reasonable threshold described um, at provision 209b. Um, But what does that mean? Um, So notably, 209b's threshold is pegged at $41 million in annual revenue, along with related factors. Um, So ADPPA would deem companies that participate in approved compliance programs as complying with ADPPA itself. Um, providing sort of a legal presumption that would allow small companies to demonstrate privacy competence without being subject to immediate civil penalties for even sort of like small violations. Um, And the compliance program would ensure that our members are rightfully viewed as and held accountable for complying with a federal framework while alleviating some of the liability concerns and compliance burdens. So this is like a program um, that we think is really helpful. We like We like seeing paths to compliance in these sorts of programs more than, I think, sort of very direct carve outs. Um, We think that this is sort of like a good medium. Um, And then the last one is private right of action. um, and private rate of action has a little bit to do with sort of consumers being able to address their, their concerns with their own privacy and how it's being treated. And so the private rate of action or the PRA um, in ADPPA would clearly authorize individuals to sue for alleged vi- violations of ADPPA. Um, the provision applies to the entire act and its regulations, um, except for data minimization, privacy by design, or data security requirements. Um, and it applies to any person or class injured by a violation. Um, so this provi- this provides like especially broad coverage in terms of both like what kinds of violations can give rise to um, a PRA and like which categories of consumers may bring a PRA. Um, I think importantly, the provision addresses concerns that we've voiced with how private litigants could, could use like a, a PRA to inappropriately target smaller companies covered by the ADPPA, we saw that with some like patent trolls in other spaces. And so we don't want the same thing to happen in the, in the realm of privacy. Um, so, you know, the, PR, the PRA and ADPPA, as reported to the full chamber, it does not apply to covered companies with $25 million or less in annual revenue um, if they handle data on fewer than 50,000 individuals um, and also derive less than 50% of their revenue from transferring covered data um similarly if individuals accuse a company of violating adppa Um, that company could in most cases demonstrate that they have rectified the problem before the claim can go to court. So it gives you time and an opportunity to fix a problem. Um, So with guardrails like these, the attractive payouts um, that PRAs can offer, you know, they pose a risk of opportunistic litigation strategies involving a pattern of suing and settling for frivolous reasons, um, sort of unrelated to actually protecting consumers. Um, And so we really appreciate that the safeguard negotiators adopted in the latest version of ADP, really do help to prevent that kind of abuse.
1: And it's important to note that if Congress is able to strike the right balance on the things that we just discussed, it would certainly help our members and other small to medium sized businesses. It'll help them avoid the impending compliance tsunami that would accompany uh, a patchwork of state laws governing privacy.
0: Absolutely. I think at the end of the day, the thing to remember is that what we really do want is a federal privacy bill, and I think um you know we've we've approached and talked to our members about these four p's as sort of like a okay our wish list in some sense right of sort of like if we saw the most important things that we wanted to see covered what would they be um and i think that the four p's really covers that um and of course we have all uh, a bunch of resources about this and the member priority letter um which does outline some of this as well um that we'll be sharing in in show notes because i think um You know as as caitlin mentioned at the beginning it's kind of crunch time and we're really hoping that this becomes uh a part of the crunch so to speak um but that said um that's all for our policy deep dive and now it is time for random identifier brad it's you you're up first
1: of course, we are going to go back to my favorite island slash continent of Australia <laughs> for for the band this month from Redmond Bay. It is the band Betty Ray, which is kind of their little pun. I think Redmond Bay, the the uh, nickname for that location, is Reddy Bay. So they are Betty Rays, which I kind of like. That's but good. regardless, it it uh, it is kind of a a pop punk. Band, I guess kind of hearkening back to the good old uh, early to mid 2000s when when that music was all the rage and and part of my childhood so I've really enjoyed uh, diving into this genre once more without just listening to like blank 182
0: <laughs> yeah and getting like Australia's perspective delightful absolutely I love, that. I love that
1: absolutely
2: um Caitlin what about you what do you have for us Um, I just have a personal exciting announcement that it is manicure season. (laughs) Um, (laughs) For those who don't know, (laughs) which is everyone, because this is something I've made up. (laughs) Basically, like there's a season for manicures for me. So it's like, you know, you have to get it has to be like a little chilly out. Um, You're no longer doing like summer activities like swimming and stuff. Um, And so that occurred yesterday. Um, I got a manicure and it will be manicure season until like probably like Mm -hmm. mid-April and then that will become pedicure season (laughs) Um, and then pedicure season obviously ends when manicure season starts. Um, So (laughs) yes, welcome to my crazy seasonal world of manis and petties, (laughs) and uh happy to report that my color that i chose this time is it's a nice creepy red so that was gonna be my question is what was your first manicure so yeah yeah sometimes it's usually like lincoln park after dark but i've started to do dip um instead of doing polish so they i haven't seen lincoln park after dark and dip yet Ah,
0: is lincoln park after dark is that an opi color
2: it is yes
0: they have the best names They do. Well, I'm going to uh, follow Brad's lead and talk about uh, a band really quickly. Um, They are a band that I had sort of discovered not long before the pandemic, obviously, honestly. And then they released two albums during the pandemic that I really, like, enjoyed. Um, The band's called Idols. They're from uh, the UK. Um, I would say that they're, I think, like, officially, like, you know, Pitchfork would call them, like, a post-punk band. Um, In my mind, they're just sort of a punk band. They're really great. They put on one of the, like, most energetic and exciting live shows I think I've ever seen. Um, I was lucky enough to see them both before the pandemic and then just saw them um, not too long ago. um, Actually, a couple weeks ago this month. So uh, that's why they're top of mind um i guess i am bringing them up because i think that they're really great and also i just think that they're like a really interesting sort of like commentary on sort of um you know something that's super aggro like punk but sort of the really soft uh lovely lyrics that they uh that they have so anyway <laughs> highly recommend idols are a great band <laughs> billy idol got it <laughs> <laughs> i think that they would be nice. uh overjoyed to be uh put in the same category so like yeah let's do it
1: (laughs) hey it's a nice day for a white wedding
2: yeah exactly oh speaking of that oh yeah (laughs) you're getting married that should have been your random identifier you sicko (laughs) Uh,
1: it's not important you know i'm just kidding well
2: congratulations to brad who's getting married this weekend
1: i am yes off the market sorry everyone (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: we look forward to hearing about the the playlists from the wedding during Tech Swamp random identifier next month
1: yeah I'll tell you guys all about how much this DJ hates me because he has no leeway to play what he wants
0: <laughs> can't wait <laughs> alright folks <laughs> that's it for Tech Swamp if you heard anything on here that piqued your interest head over to our website and make your way to the podcast section
2: we'll have notes on today's episode that include links to all the good stuff And we have transcripts available, and you can find them in our show notes as well as on Podscribe.com.
1: Just search Techswamp. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. And, of course, we would love a rate review. Five stars only, please.
0: That's all for today, folks. Everyone, say bye. bye.
1: Bye.